You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Welcome, family, friends, fans, and foes. It's time once again for Never Sleeps Network's Talking Wrestling. I am your host, Casey Corbin, and thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Uh, before we get to the show, don't forget to hit us up on the social medias. Hit us up on the Twitter at TNWPod, on the Instagram at Talking Wrestling Podcast, on the old uh, Facebook, Talking Wrestling. And if you want to send us a Gmail, uh, you can hit us up at talkingwrestling at gmail.com. And if you are on iTunes, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe uh, if you give us a five star rating and a favorable review. I uh, can't even say that. A favorable review. A favorable review. You will get an 80s postcard of a wrestler from the 80s sent to you. And uh, if it's a wrestler that you, if you can name a wrestler from the 80s that you'd like, we'll see if we have the postcard available. Otherwise, you're getting Greg the Hammer Valentine. That's the way it is. We'll get, it'll be a dealer's choice. How do you like uh, the Freebirds? Already gone. Too bad. So get those postcards, get those reviews in, and we'll go from there. Uh, today's show is brought to you by no one because um, we're looking for sponsors. But hey, I got a great guest today. Uh, folks, you might know this gentleman from the WWE, two-time uh, Intercontinental Champion and also United States Champion as well as Tag Team Champion. Santino Morales here with me today. Anthony, how you doing? How are you? Awesome, man. Thanks for having me. Oh, one second. Cue for music, play the music, and then for dramatic effect. All right, Santino, how are you? Thanks for joining <laughs> us on the show. Awesome, man. Good. Yeah, I love doing uh, local stuff, and you know, in, in person, not over the phone like like most interviews and podcasts. But so yeah, I came down and uh, let's have some fun and talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were we met uh, last week doing the Todd Shapiro show, and uh, it was funny when you said at the end, I, I thought we'd be talking more wrestling, <laughs> and I was like, ah, that's no problem. Well, I got the fix for that. So uh, so how are things? Things are great, and thanks for coming here. Um, you know, I have, I have a lot of questions I want to ask. Yeah, things are wicked, man. It's a crazy time in my life. I have a, a six-week-old at home, and I have a 23-year-old daughter and nothing in between. So it's really just... It's incredible going through this again for the, it feels like for the first time again, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the technology now, totally different than what it was the first time around. Yeah, I have more pictures of my son than I probably have of my daughter in total, just because we didn't, you know, we didn't have a camera or we didn't have, definitely have more videos because we didn't have a, um, well, not a camcorder. What was the big one? The VHS recorders. Yeah. You know? yeah. That's what was around at that time in 1995. So, uh, but yeah, it's awesome. It's all, it's also different. Like you have to get, for example, when, when we were kids, right? Yeah. Look both ways before you cross the street, don't talk to strangers. Now it's like, turn off your location settings and make sure you don't send dick pics. <laughs> that yeah. Kind of stuff. Yeah. Use your phone responsibly, yeah. you know, and, uh, yeah, just so many things. And like, there's so much videos of kids now as they're growing up and pictures. Like I know, um, parents that do private accounts for their kids or their family that they only send with their friends. Yeah. And then it's like, like I watch my friend's daughter grow up and I feel like that's my Truman show. 
Yeah, so, yeah. And every year I get to go down to LA and I get to see her and I know what's going on with her, but she doesn't know what's going on with me. You know, it's yeah, so weird. Yeah, it's funny. It changed the dynamics of, of, of if you can, let's say you run into a friend at Costco. I, I seem to run into them at Costco, but, and you don't have to say, hey, what have you been up to? Because you know, I, I see on Facebook, you're, whatever, yeah. you're doing this, this, and this, and you got kids in hockey and yeah. that kind of stuff. So it's interesting. The good thing is you get to keep in touch with way more people than you would have. Exactly. I remember my dad telling me, like, uh, when you grow up, you're going to have a, a few friends. Like, you know, <laughs> And I'm like, what the hell? And, you know, it's probably because those are guys that also have kids at the same time you have kids, so yeah. you kill two birds, one stone. But now you're in touch with everybody. People yeah. they weren't even like really good friends with. No, no, I have friends that I wasn't really friends with in high school, but they, they want to be friends more than anything now. And you know, and sometimes I will go out to Vancouver or to Calgary or Edmonton and visit uh, said Fred or whatever like that. And, and and it's it's pretty good. I don't mind it. I like I enjoy it. Speaking of your father, one time I was at a RAW and I was sitting behind your whole family on the <laughs> floor. And there must have been like maybe fifteen people and. Uh, and your dad was right in front of me, and he was wearing the red Santino number one Ferrari yeah, shirt. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, he was very, very kind. We spoke to him, and um, he said one thing. He was like, you know, we said, you must be so proud. Your, your son is so amazing. He's so entertaining. And he said, yeah, but I wish they'd let him do what he's actually good at. Anybody well, said that with his accent and stuff like that. But but he basically, you know, he, he said that, and it was like, you know, like, how do you feel about that? Like, do you ever feel that... You would have rather been the character you are coming out of OVW that Paul Heyman helped create as opposed to Santino? Or were you happy being Santino? Because I personally, I love Santino. I think Santino is one of my favorite WWE wrestlers of all time. Some people, they might not like the comedy aspect more than the wrestling. But for me, I'm like, you know, if Stone Cold does comedy and Kurt Angle does comedy, anybody can do comedy. And yeah. you did it, I think, the best. Yeah, it's. I definitely didn't train for it. You know, I was training to be like a like a Dean Malenko, a Dynamite Kid, a Chris mm -hmm. Benoit. You know, th those are the guys. Kurt Angle, Owen Hart. Like that. That's yeah. what I kind of envisioned myself doing. But you know, the jobs are so limited, and the and the average duration of a career is is not that long, right? So. Yeah, I didn't want to do comedy, but at the end, when I look back, I'm kind of like, you know, thank God I did do comedy because um, I brought a lot of laughter and a lot of smiles to people's faces, and um, fans are awesome. Like, I'll come. I'm, I mean, I got over it pretty quick. The the, the not being not being there, a tough guy, kind or not of thing. being a tough yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. I got over it pretty quick, and I was pretty grateful the whole time I was there. You know, there seemed to be a culture at the time when I first got there of guys being just not satisfied with where they were. And I'm like, guys, we wrestle for a living on Raw. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I'm not a champion. I don't give a shit. I'm on every single house show, and I'm traveling in the world, and this is incredible. How can you not be happy? And then there was this culture, I guess, in the locker room. You know, you should... Uh, if you're not champion, you should be. you should not be happy. You should strive to be the best in the champion. I'm like, well... Okay, that's one way to look at it. But how about just being grateful? Yeah. That's another way to look at it. And I was very grateful the whole time. And especially once, let's say I had a six, seven years. I was with WWE for 10 years. So after six and seven, I've already doubled the average career. I was playing with house money kind of thing. It was just great. Yeah. You know, I, I loved it. I well, loved you, every second. You would watch one generation sort of phase out. 
as in your ten years as the new generation sort of came in at the same time. Yeah, the shield started coming. Um, there was a lot of things that came, like the Nexus came. Nexus came and went. Yeah, you the know, core. Like the core, yeah. And then, uh, and then, yeah, the Shield came, and well, we were on the road for a couple of years, I think, with the Shield still. And then I had my my neck surgery and stuff. I was um, I was actually at the Rico over there. Yeah, I can when, see uh, when at that house show in July when you came out and made your retirement announcement. That it was, was very emotional. Yeah, it was misconstrued. Well, it was okay. So. What happened was I had to stop wrestling twice because it was a facet issue in my neck. Like it was just bone, like nerve, bone on the nerve. And I was getting ready for a match once, I think against Swagger. And all of a sudden I'm like, my warm up didn't go well. And I'm like, I can't move my neck like at all, like at all. Yeah. How am I going to take a bump? And, and I had like a, a one by one centimeter, you know, room to move without hitting like a nerve. Mm. So that wasn't anyway. So I, that happened twice. And then the third time, it actually wasn't that because they did a, it's called a facet rosotomy where they go in with this needle and they put it right on the part where the bone's hitting the nerve. Yeah. And they like add electricity and kind of fry the nerve a bit. So it, it's a, because this particular nerve was mostly there for pain, but mm. it did have a little bit of motor function. So my neck would get, if I was riding my bike, my neck would get tired sometimes. I had to kind of put it down for a second and kind of just, you know, let it kind of regroup. Um, but anyway, the third one was a different issue. That was my actual, my, my disc. Uh, I guess I, I had a partially herniated disc in university that herniated towards the, the uh, the spinal cord, mm -hmm. and then it calcified and became a piece of bone. So basically, the piece of bone was touching my my spinal cord. So I got stingers like for years and years and years, really easy. If anyone hit my chin, it was like zing down my arms. So I tried to protect it the best I could. So this was the third time, and this was um, I knew I was facing surgery. So what I wanted to do was saying, look, just in case, it was just in case, it was supposed to be a just in case promo, but uh, I said, just in case I can't come back, I'd like to address the audience if I can. Yeah. And they let me, but they said I had to do it with my accent. And I was like, ah, oh. like, you know, when Joe, uh, Roman Reigns just came out yeah, yeah. and said, my, by the way, my name's Joe. And he kind of broke yeah. character. I wanted to do that. Yeah. And they had to do it in the accent. So anyway... I just said to the people that the only regret I ever had in wrestling was that I was never introduced being from Mississauga yeah, or, or, or Toronto at the, at the least, you know, I'm born and raised in Mississauga, but uh, you know, cause like edge and they're from Orangeville, it's yeah. an hour away and they got Toronto yeah. and Trish is from whatever Richmond Hill or something. But anyway, uh, um, I just wanted Canadians cause a lot of Canadians at that time didn't know I was Canadian. They thought I was a guy from Italy. Yeah. I'm, I'm usually pretty smartened up on that. Like if I, if the guy's Canadian, I know they're Canadian. Like again, a lot of people didn't know Jinder Mahal was Canadian. Yeah. So for the longest time, you know, especially in America, they have no idea, but then you, they come up to Canada and you go to SmackDown and they don't realize how big of a population that we have for Hindus and for, and for Bollywood types. Like we had yeah. the Bollywood award awards here two, two times. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the only place outside of India. So it like, you know, the Indian population, I thought, I, I thought I heard of one. I didn't know it was two. I think it was two times. That's pretty awesome. But, but it's like, you know, I think pretty much all of Brampton was in the ACC when, uh, gender was champ and he came out, but he was yeah. too, he was too over on the SmackDown. It, it was, they didn't let him have the Singh brothers with him. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. And, yeah. They 
didn't. And uh, you well, were like, it's funny. I was in Japan one time when I was. I lived in Japan for a year, and my little town, Koshigaya, there was no. Uh, there's no white people, basically. So one day I was downtown Tokyo and I saw an Indian guy and I'm like, oh my God, finally a Canadian. I wanted to talk to somebody. And then I remember being shocked that he's, oh, he's not Canadian, he's Indian. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, I just assumed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just assumed, right? Yeah, it's, it's so funny. Um, but but so uh, now uh, you're running Battle Arts Academy. And you're teaching wrestling as well, and you're teaching uh, all sorts of martial arts, right? Yeah, I coach the judo myself and the professional wrestling. For for boxing, we have a separate coach. For Olympic wrestling, we have a bunch of coaches, and then we do the whole MMA thing, like you know BJJ and Muay Thai and stuff. But I, I don't coach those. But I found some wicked coaches. You know, to me, that's the most important thing. If I had a restaurant. I mean, I don't care. I mean, you obviously care what the restaurant looks a little bit like, yeah. but the most important thing is the chef behind there making the food. So it's the same thing in a, in a gym. Like we have awesome coaches. That's great. Um, and now you also have wrestling that runs out of uh, battle arts, uh, and they run shows pretty much monthly. They monthly Destiny Wrestling. Yeah, we have, we do, uh, and we even um, rent it out to other smaller companies that want to come in there. So when I trained at OVW, the building that we trained in was where they filmed OVW TV and um, uh, the amateur show that I was in for the most, like the majority of my stay there mm-hmm. was I was in Rip Rogers class, and um, yeah, we did our monthly student show there. So I kind of, you know, battle arts is this, I, I just bits and pieces of things I liked all over the world. And, and, uh, I kind of put them together and made my kind of dream facility. Like I'd see something and go, Oh man, if I ever have a place, I'm going to do that, you know? And then I put it all together. So the byproduct of having this show for, uh, this venue to run wrestling shows is that we do boxing shows. Uh, we've done a couple kickboxing shows, a jujitsu super fight card, uh, impact comes there once in a while and does, uh, some uh, some digital content for some yeah. other platforms, either the GWN or, or Twitch. Uh, Destiny's there, and uh, from time to time we'll have a smaller promotion come in. That's cool. And like Destiny Wrestling, I think they put on the best main events in all the Toronto area. Like Smash is great, and Greek Town is pretty good. Um, I I like Super Kicked as well, but like the the matches that have come through Destiny Wrestling, like. Our dream matches like Pete yeah. Dunn against um, Austin against Austin Aries or or you know or um, or Marty Skrull versus Pete Dunn you know yeah. like these are matches that like you couldn't even think would happen right now maybe in a couple of years it might be different but you know that you're getting these matches and because Pete Dunn is such a great great uh, talent uh, just watched him in war games and he was so. Like one of the most entertaining parts, you he's can tell he's mature. You can man. tell when he's going to be there. Like he's going to do really well because the fans are already behind him. He's locked in that cage and he's always trying to be the first one out. And then the other guys are pushing him back. And I, I just really like the story that they did with the war games with him. But uh, how do you uh, how do you get all the these great main events and and how do you and and who's who does the booking for these shows? Well, the, uh, Destiny's not my company at all. No, no, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's Iceman. George Iceman yeah. does that. So the business model changed. You know, um, somebody in the office, I guess, said, "Hey, instead of locking these guys down for these big contracts, why don't we?" book them for these TV-only contracts and let them go work the indies and make some money. So Impact does that. Some of their guys can go yeah. work indies, and they're busy all the time because they have that TV credibility. And uh, some of the British 
the UK, WWE UK guys, they had yeah. the same deal. They can go work indies. So because they're on TV, these guys are bringing suitcases full of t-shirts and they're making killings out there. Yeah. So, I mean, I never heard of this before uh, with regards to WWE where they allow talent to go work like that. So, yeah, the, the stars lined up and he got them in there and it got a lot of traction all over the world, to be honest. And um, now I think they locked Pete Dunn down. So he has one more... Uh, yeah uh event with destiny in january and then i guess he's on the road full time it was pretty funny uh i was recently at uh when i was down in los angeles for a survivor series weekend i went to the the david arquette deathmatch show <laughs> well la confidential that joy janela puts on um and uh just after the show just out of nowhere uh chris hero cassius ono is just standing outside the venue with a box full of chris hero t-shirts that he can't and he's just giving them to fans because he can't you know i guess he's not supposed to be selling them anymore because he's cassius ono now but is he, he still he's back with nxt yeah he's with nxt because yeah. he came and went a couple times right yeah 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 he's back and uh he had a um, a very quick match with matt riddle open the open the war games but they were both actually at the venue at the la confidential at the back of the room because you could see matt riddle his hair or well, the silhouette of his hair and his hat is very distinct yeah and uh but it was just really fo- it was really funny just seeing here's an indie card and then here's you know uh, an nxt star just hanging out and also one of the usos was hanging out with his cousin fatu who's also on the card oh, no so way. it was pretty cool like once people started going up talking to Fatu, Fatu uh, he used to be in Legacy. That one, yeah, 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 that one, yeah, yeah, and uh, and he's he was great, and uh, yeah, it was just sort of it was very cool. It's very cool to see you know current stars show up at indie shows, even if they're just sort of hanging out or chilling. And uh, yeah, the lines it has been blurred between the two. You know, a lot of guys, especially Cape. So back in the day, the only way to make money was was. WWE to make real money. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the way the business model is and the way the consumption patterns are, because you can have digital content. So you can be, okay, so for example, if something goes viral, that can go up against some serious TV ratings I yeah. mean, in terms of exposure. So if anything goes, yeah, so it's the, the power is being taken away from television. And a lot of guys are realizing either post WWE careers are coming back and saying, guys, it's not as bad as you think out there. It's actually pretty damn good. Yeah. And a lot of the guys in WWE are like, God damn it. And you have your freedom too. And, uh, so it's not so there's life after death in the wrestling world. Yeah. There's, and and, you know, and then, and I think there's options too. I don't think, I don't think as many people, um, if they're doing well in the Indies are in a, a huge hurry to get to the WWE right away because there are other options, uh, whether it be, you know, if you can make ring of honor or if you can get over to Japan or if you can, you know, make impact or whatever, like, like the fact that, uh, MLW ran into Florida, um, their whole show's on YouTube comes out weekly and it's fantastic it's a lot of the same guys from impact uh but it's kind of weird because sammy callahan has a different posse than he has on impact but they're all still bad it's like wherever this parallel guy goes, universe yeah. or it's, it's like yeah parallel universe but this has the new heart foundation which is that's what got me watching it so teddy hart's back and uh and then you have um uh, Davy Boy's uh, son Harry. Harry does uh, that. Yeah, MLW? Harry. Yeah, yeah. He's an MLW. It's him and Teddy and Brian Pillman. Oh, I Jr. love that guy, man. Oh, he's he's amazing. He's fantastic. I don't. I wish. I think he's he was, one of the best in the world right now. I think he would. I don't understand why he's not 
at a higher level. But, I know, I know, know, Vince is fixated on on the the ability to charm an audience on the mic, you know. But yeah, not every guy has to do that, man. He's no, a workhorse. That's what, well, that's why we have. They used to have managers. Yeah, you know, and I wish they they would have more managers. Yes, older guys, older guys, you know, that not necessarily like the managers that they're using now. Yeah, you know, who's do they even have a manager? Well, they have this short guy. He's not really a manager, but he's coming in with the apostles yeah. of pain or authors of pain. Um, apostles, is apostles better. of pain. Sounds, Speaking of Judas and all that. Yeah, stuff. the apostles. Of yeah, pain. but you need a guy who's going to come off like like he's like he's a what's that boxing promoter Don King kind of guy who's looking out for his best interests is trying to get him the most money possible like he's a real manages his life and career yeah not just a guy to come out to to hit someone with a cane when they're not well looking. that was the great thing about bobby heenan bobby is the greatest he would he would he would make it lane like like i'm putting i'm bringing you up the card you yeah, know yes, you're yes. a bozo you're nothing without me you're <laughs> going Taylor. straight to the top yeah you know and uh and it's the perfect example is with the red rooster terry taylor uh it's funny because the story was that him and Kurt Henning were in a match and they were, they were trying to decide which one was going to be Mr. Perfect because it could have been Terry Taylor. Oh, wow. And they gave it to Kurt Henning. I'm like, well, obviously, uh, you know, I can't see anybody else being Mr. Perfect. He was perfect. And, uh, perfect headed. I can't imagine Mr. Perfect if they would have put him with the Red Rooster gimmick. That would have been the worst thing ever. <laughs> Even worse than Terry Taylor. But oh, you never know. Maybe Kurt could make it work. Who knows? But, yeah, who knows? But uh, but yeah. Um, do you have any favorite moments? Like, what were your like? Uh, last night I watched the elimination chamber um, that you were in, and uh, that was uh, a good match. I also loved uh, the Royal Rumble when you thought you won the Royal Rumble. I thought that was the best. And uh, do you have any great memories in the ring that you? Yeah, those those, those are the two big ones that you know if i'm at a signing or something people come up and say man at the elimination chamber i was jumping up and down in my living room i thought you won because uh the the cobra was only kicked out of twice ever uh once without the sleeve was sheamus yeah and once with the sleeve was daniel bryan so the audience was pretty conditioned to think this is it and uh yeah that was that was crazy uh, Mike Chioda was in Gorilla and he was looking at Vince and he goes, oh, he calls me Santini. He goes, Santini, I thought Vince was going to call, uh, change the finish, call an audible. He goes, I was looking at him. I thought he was, he was going to do it. Um, but my neck was bad. So when Daniel Bryan, he put the gimmick lock on me and then when I kind of got up, he kind of re-cinched it and it was le legitimately hitting my nerve. And I'm like, I wanted to do it one more time where I pull the hand down and go crazy. One, to make the crowd yeah. prolong the craziness, but but to give Vince some time to potentially call an audible because I know he go, he's hearing this, right? But then when Daniel Bryan put it on, it was actually hitting my nerve and uh, I, had, I had to like shoot tap. So um, that, that was fun. But there's a lot of things. So Jack Swagger and I had this match I call it the match, the match seen around the world, because we were on every live event and we did it everywhere, and we just would tweak little minor things, um, you know, the next day to make it just perfect, not a wasted step. And the audience's reactions were awesome, and it was this handshake spot. And every time we'd come back to the curtain, everyone would just be shaking their head, laughing, and. You know, like they're telling me that the back monitor is completely sold out by by the rest of the boys every night when we do this this particular match, and we did this crazy elaborate handshake spot that took so long, and the audience was, you know, 
when you invest that much time in it, they're like, where is this going? And we'd always pull a Santino and, and it just always backfire. And you could hear them like, ah, this idiot, he fell for it again. So we, we did it to the point where we did it somewhere in like, I'm going to say Georgia or it was the South, maybe Memphis or something like that. And some guy goes, you did that last year. Mm-hmm. And I was like, shit, okay, time to change it up a bit. But it, we had so much fun. We, we would we would die laughing ourselves in the match. Yeah. During certain spots, I'd be like, we covering our mouths laughing. It was just, it was it was funny. And, and he was the perfect guy to do it, do it with too. But I, there was little things. I had a match with Kofi like in 08 in Paris. Yeah. Where we just had the crowd was so loud and we was like, one, two, and I grabbed the rope and I remember just, oh, and laying on my back going, wow, that was insane. And then there was mania moments, you know, taking the time to look around going, wow, this, God damn it, I'm in a, I'm giving a Cobra in WrestleMania, you know, that kind of thing. There was one thing that people don't even know when, when we were um, facing the core at mania, yeah. I came to the ring. Uh, I forgot my U.S. title in the back, but it wasn't the focus of the match, so it was no, okay. No, no. But uh, I get to the ring, and that was when Zack Ryder got kicked in the nuts by Eve. Yeah, and uh, he looks at me, and goes, "Where's your title, bro?" And I'm like, <gasps> and he's just like turns his head like, "You idiot!" But uh, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of fun stuff. It, it's so weird because you look at ten years and they flew by, but they were so packed and concentrated with so many different memories and experiences and yeah you had a consistent like storyline a storyline a storyline is like you never you were never left out you were always in storylines sort of for 10 solid years it seems yeah there's there was a time when i wasn't having a lot of matches on raw i'd be at all the live events Mm. but i would be interacting with all the special guest um managers guest hosts And, and that was really fun because i was getting more over by not even wrestling and i remember i was it felt like a year i was doing all guest host stuff pre tapes yeah and it was cool you get to meet lots of you know interesting people backstage but then when i wrestled after that then the the crowd was primed and and it was another peak you know there's peaks and valleys right yeah now did you um uh how much of the santino character did you uh put into your that yourself and how much of it was writers um in the beginning i was so i tickled vince's funny bone so i, I was given brian gewertz who was kind of uh assigned my, my comedy and in the beginning it was kind of script format like written like like a page you know yeah. piece of paper and then i would bring it to life as santino and then i would you know just change a word here and change a word there and i had the ability to if someone else interjected and went off script i could i can deal with it and i can you know bring it back and stuff yeah. so then they started giving me like bullet points and by the end it was kind of like we want you to say this this and this in, in your way and i bring it to life myself but i mean the actual character in terms of the accent and how his mannerisms that was me really no one really instructed me on how to be santino yeah and it was interesting because at first i was kind of forced down the people's throats as a good guy a little bit and you know they don't like that and they were kind of like rejecting the, the baby face and then i guess the idea was well let's turn him bad and and if that doesn't work, you know, repackage or see you later. And then the first day I cut, I cut a promo. I remember coming back and everyone was just saying, holy, that was funny as hell. It, it was about uh, something about cheating. Cheating, I was, something about the NBA and oh, the, the 
make me sick. But anyway, the accent, yeah. complaining in the accent immediately struck the funny bone events because the next week I was like guest commentary. I was doing another promo, another promo, another promo. And then they gave me the mic all the time. And uh, that was really the birth and rise kind of just giving me the mic. It was so funny. I was watching uh, segments today and uh, earlier this morning and you had that segment with Drew McIntyre or, or I can't even remember there was, uh, yeah, yeah, the best thing, the best thing was at the end, it made me laugh so hard, was you're having a blindfold match yeah, in yeah. Vegas, and he's like, I'll see you in the ring. You're like, no, you won't. It's a blindfold match. <laughs> <laughs> you won't see anybody. <laughs> and it's, it's like, was that, was that written or was that impromptu? Do you remember? I, I, I can't remember, but I remember watching the, that, that blindfold match is actually one of my favorite things. It, well, when you compare it to Jake and Rick Martel, Way better match, way better match. And just like, why didn't those guys have the brains to do what Santino did to find out where it seemed like that was the best idea to find out where the guy who the was? Hell, who I can't remember who told me. Maybe it was Iron or something, but he told me, yeah, you point and use the meter, like the hot and cold meter. Yeah, and uh, yeah, there was. I, I thought I put a blindfold on the Cobra, and that stuff. was very funny. Yeah, and I. Yeah, that was, that was fun. But no, I remember watching that and seeing that line. Where I go for it. But I'm delivering it like it's a real line because I'm laughing at the line. And a lot of guys, what they do when, when they do promos, they kind of they forget to act like a real person yeah. would. And um, and people actually were given the directive when they were dealing with me, saying, look, if he cracks you and you laugh on TV, just laugh. It's funny. You're allowed to laugh. Yeah. You don't have to be in character. Plus, when you watch like SNL and they're about to crack on, that's the best part anyway. People, well, that's Jimmy Fallon made a career out of it. You know, uh, before Jimmy Fallon, not a lot of people, Will Ferrell would try to crack people all the time and it was very hard, but you see it happen every now and again in a sketch and it's so funny. He's funny. Yeah. Oh, he's, yeah, he's incredibly funny. Yeah. But the other funny moments that I actually love too, uh, there's, uh, oh my God, there's so many just, oh, well, of course there, we talked about this on the Todd Shapiro was when you and, uh, Beth Phoenix had challenged John Cena at uh, the Christmas Raw right before Christmas. And you and I forgot the backstory of why the match was happening till I watched it uh, last night was you were going to reveal the secret of Santa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is, uh, and then, and that's, and then he said, well, you told me you popped him that day. And then, of course, you, you just said his name, John Cena. Well, the way you, uh, Santino says it. And he laughed. I was like, but you say it like that all the time. Is that, does he not watch your segments? So how do come he doesn't? Like, how it's funny because that's how you pronounce Cena in Italian. It's cena. It means dinner. Really? And uh, so I said it in the Italian way. And, and yeah. And it's funny because I'll meet people, let's say at a signing or something, and they'll say, hey, John Cena. And they'll say, oh, WrestleMania. Things I used to say. And they always remember. And, and they, they like to say it. It's funny when people say, do it, do it. And the guy's like, no, no. He goes, he does a really good impression of you. Oh. And then they'd be like, oh, okay, and they'll do it. They'll do an impression. I've seen a couple good impressions, and some I have to pretend I'm amused, you know? That's yeah. nice. That's nice. <laughs> so when you, they told you about you're going to be Miss WrestleMania or you're going to start being Santina Morella, uh, what were your thoughts towards that? Were you just, you're just like, all right, let's go and let's do it? Yeah, that's, you know... They gave us lemons, and I said, you know what? I'm going to make the best lemonade, lemonade. they ever tasted and blow, knock it out of the park. And we did to the point. That was supposed to be one night only, only WrestleMania. But it was so funny that it lasted for like three months. Yeah. And it was like, like did you get any heat? Because like, like compared to James Elworth in the first Money in the Bank match, yeah, and I all did. the heat he got for that, 
they had to do them. The fans were so upset. They had to do it over. I don't understand. I don't, to be honest, I don't understand because I used to. Have, I sometimes I do these um, these spreadsheets where they're like you pick out the match and you call the finish, and it's just whoever gets the most points at the end. It's kind of a pool, and you enter it. And uh, the last person I had touching the briefcase in the women's first Money in the Bank match was James Ellsworth. No way. I I look at it, he's out there for a reason. And he's a heel, and they're heels, and like, and everybody was so upset. But I was like, I don't understand. Like, to me, that was the logical thing he would do in that match. Like, he's in the friend zone. He doesn't want to be in the friend zone. He wants to be in the other zone. <laughs> yeah, he wants to be in the end zone, not the friend zone. <laughs> you know. And he, uh, it seems to me, he would do anything to get in the end zone, including climbing the ladder and getting her. Let me do it for you. You know, so and then he dropped it to her, and it, it, to me that made perfect sense, and I thought that was a great finish. And then all the backlash was ridiculous. Well, it's it's weird because it's okay to be mad at a storyline, like that's that's the reason for bad guys anyway. You don't like them, and you want to be bad at the bad guy. It's only one part of an arc. You can't get mad at like it's just one part. Like yeah. it's gonna evolve. You know, there were that. there were some girls that were because because um, my Miss WrestleMania moment was I think the first WrestleMania mm. Battle Royal for the girls, yeah. and uh, the, there were a lot of girls back then that were working really hard, and I don't blame them at all for being a little ticked. They weren't pissed at me; but they were just kind of pissed at the situation. Yeah, but when you <laughs> they know you got to do what you're told. When you came out in that uh, bikini, that ridiculous mankini. Oh God, um, Marley's laughing in the background she did not she didn't even partake in anything she just stood back and could not stop laughing who is it uh mrs wife maurice. oh maurice yeah yeah oh my god like she starts laughing they, they kind of wanted me to wear it without i had to wear the big bathing suit yeah, you know you, you have to yeah it was, <laughs> it was not going to be very nice it was borat any yeah. other, any other way yeah so uh, that's crazy. So crazy. Miss WrestleMania was funny. I found, I was looking through something in my parents' garage and I found a bin that has Santina's outfit in there still. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I'm keeping it, but I guess for keepsakes, but pretty interesting. My daughter got some flack at school and she, I think she was probably in high school at that time. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, I guess so. And then you said your daughter is training right now. Yeah, she started, she came back from uh, Western, um, I guess in the summer and she's training and she's doing really good and, um, Today, she was kind of pissed yesterday because some of my students are getting tryouts in 2019 with the, at the Performance Center. Mm -hmm. And she's like, where's my tryout? And I go, look, I, them, if somebody has raw potential, they don't need to learn from me. Yeah. You go there, go straight there, and they'll take care of you. Uh, I can identify raw potential. Um, you know, I want them to say they started with me, and I'd like to have my fingerprints on them, so to speak. But my daughter, I wanted, I wanted her to say, I don't want her to say, oh, I trained for six months, and then they, they hired me. I want her to go down pretty good and, like, pretty jacked and pretty ripped and just, I want her to, like Cody Rhodes. It was very important for Cody Rhodes to know that he made it on his own merit. Yes. And not just because his dad. And I understand that, and I get that. And I want my daughter to be able to say that she made it on her own merit, too. She is well above average and coordination and, and looks and, and mic skills and everything. So she'll make it, she can't make it on her own. I just want to be sure she's good. Cause it also reflects on me as a coach and coaching is not as easy as, as learning how to wrestle was for me. I had awesome coaches, right? I had like, yeah. I started off with Don Koloff. Then Yuki Ishikawa told me that whole battle art style. And then I go to, you know, VW and I have Rip Rogers who gave mm -hmm. me the vast majority of Whatever, you know, all the tools I needed to make a living. Um, and then even Al Snow helped polish me and get me ready for, for 
being called up. And then when you get there, you're surrounded by Arn Anderson and Mike Rotundo and Ricky Steamboat and Fit Finley and just brilliant minds. Triple H is and Cena and even the locker room at Regal, Chavo. I mean, yeah, the education just came came in, but you have to. Um, so anyway me coaching is really a mishmash of all these brilliant minds and everything they told me and i'm kind of mixing it together and giving my very variation of it um there's only so many ways you can understand professional wrestling it blows me away with regards to the lack of quality control though when i see shit on the indies i'm like who's your coach yeah. How did they not say don't do that? I don't. I don't get it. You know. But uh, again, like I said, I'm not saying I'm the most brilliant mind, but I had the best coaches. So no, that's what I mean. Like just seeing that indie card in LA, the LA Confidential, is very sloppy. Very sloppy. Uh, like they memorize everything and slap legs. It's it's. Yeah. Yeah. And, I hate slapping legs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, the, where you're, that's for the kicks and stuff like that. I, right? They're doing it for tackles these days. They're doing it for. God, it seems like you snatch a headlock fast enough, you're gonna slap your leg, and it's 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 wrong. It's not good. I remember I used to watch uh, Shawn Michaels, as I for the longest time I used to think that he kicked the people because that's we we're watching it. But then there's then somebody they posted a picture and his hand is on his chest. He slapped his chest. Yes, he slapped his chest. That's what he used to slap. Oh, someone like someone like Kane, he does the gimmick like that, and. He's great at it. I don't see it. And that's fine. I don't want to see it. But I mean, I can hear. Okay. If I'm watching a horror movie and, you know, the guy, the Dracula is behind the door yeah. and the girl's coming in and I'm going, I'm into it and I'm covering my face with a pillow and I'm thinking, oh shit, she's going to get killed. And then the microphone was into the screen. It's like, oh man, <laughs> I just took me out of the mood. And that's what happens when you slap your leg so obviously and blatantly. It's just like, oh man. Yeah, or it's not real. Or if you, or for me also, uh, if you see them talking during the match. Yeah, and now with these ca- the cameras they got, mm-hmm. you hear stuff. Yeah, I mean, back in the day, I had an idea when a guy would have a headlock and kind of lean into it. Yeah, but now you hear like, ready? Who who did that recently? Was it maybe the Bellas and and? Uh, oh, there was. Uh, oh my God, Rhonda. I heard you I ready? Think- Let's go. Oh, there was the <laughs> and one of those Saudi shows, the first one. Yeah. Where Rey Mysterio uh, was doing the 619, it was Cena and Roman Reigns. Oh, Cena's back. And Cena was talking to him right there as the 619 was coming. And it was horrible. It's like, just, hey, like, can you stop talking? Yeah, like, Cena's notorious for talking very loud, and his voice is very clear. I, I, used to ride, oh. <laughs> I used to ride with Randy, and he'd be like, you know, on a European tour, he'd be like, God damn, man. Like, people in the front row are looking at each other going, we can hear them looking at each other like, you know, what's up with that? And, uh, yeah. <laughs> but. The battle, I think it was the Royal Rumble a couple of years ago, Cena was like, Shinsuke, now, now. And he was like, it was like almost <laughs> comedy. Like, what are you, why, what, what, why are you yelling now at him? And he was supposed to come in and do a spot or something like that. God damn it, now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we know it's not real. We know it's a work. And, but then, you know, I take this assignment seriously. They say, okay, your objective, I should say, is to make them suspend their disbelief as much as possible to garnish the greatest reaction. Like if you watch someone, you're a Leafs fan? Well, no, no. I, I, I'm an, I'm oh, an Islander, Islander. Islanders fan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. 
Stanley Cup Finals, you know, tie game, three minutes left, Islanders score. You're jumping up and down and yeah. scratching at the walls and screaming and crying. And yeah, that's a real reaction. And now the reactions are like, when somebody wins, you're like, oh, they they booked that. Oh, the writers gave it to him. They chose. Like, that's not, it's not as fun like that. Yeah, now the, the oohs and ahs are from the moves. More or less than yeah. the, than the finish, and and the, and then the reason it is is because uh, the wrestling quality is is it's like every generation it's getting diluted, and you have guys in the states and like who, who trained you? The guys like uh, uh, Rick uh, Johnson, and you're like who's that? Uh, he wrestled uh, in Mexico for two years and uh, he had a trial once in WWE, and you're like, so what the fuck does he know? I I, I don't get it, you know, and yeah, and then if you have a I don't blame you, okay? You go make money. If you want to rent, you want to buy a ring for five yeah. grand and rent a garage for 500 bucks a month, and you do the math, you go, we only need six members and we're making money. Yeah. Well, then I guess that's what you're going to do. There are a lot of average comedians giving comedy lessons, and uh, it's not, and they're taking kids' money for a couple hundred or whatever like that. And this has been the case since I started comedy. I remember, oh, this guy's been on TV. He's offering a comedy class. Now I look back, I'm like, why was he offering a comedy class? Yeah. Just because he's on TV doesn't mean he should be. That was the joke. Comedy. You know, well, no, it wasn't a joke. <laughs> no, the joke, know. I'm saying that is the joke. But, this guy's teaching comedy. He's not that good at comedy. Yeah, you know, it's like, and that's uh, that is that old saying, those who can't teach. Yeah, you know, and uh, I don't think that's necessarily true, but in to teach comedy, it sort of it sort of comes across that way. Uh, but there's a lot of things. So so my my curriculum is really important to me, and I want to make sure that they have a completely uh, holistic education with regards to uh, even the physical training, lifting weights, diet, the bodybuilding aspect. Yeah. Uh, they need to have uh, legitimate grappling and striking skills so concurrently with with a, a membership at battle arts academy you can take all the mma classes or combative sports classes judo muay thai jiu-jitsu everything and some of the guys are like well i don't really want to do uh, muay thai well, i'm asking you to do muay thai i'm saying take muay thai learn a couple knees a couple yeah. wicked elbows incorporate them into pro wrestling and now you look like you're legit alistair black is giving all the credit of being a kickboxer because he took some kickboxing yeah and uh so anyway, I have that realistic side, and that's the nucleus and core um, and, and foundation. If you're building a building downtown, you got to have a solid foundation. Yeah. So if someone just says, uh, it was the movie um, oh, uh, with Will uh, Ferrell, the basketball movie. Oh, uh, what is it? Um, um, uh, semi-pro. Semi-pro, yes. Yeah, where he's like, well, what made you get into basketball? He goes, I saw it on TV. It looked pretty easy. Thought I can do it. You know, and, and that's what happens with wrestling because these professionals make it look easy and then they go try it. But if you don't, but a lot of the guys like Dolph Ziggler, even someone like Randy Orton was a state champ wrestler growing up. Yeah. Cody Rhodes was a state champ wrestler. Yeah. Uh, Kofi Kingston wrestled in college and everybody was a, a grappler, a high-level athlete. There's only a couple guys that weren't like Cena and Sheamus, I could think of, you know, that, that didn't do um, a form of martial arts or grappling yeah. or something like that. So if that's the case, and Rip Rogers says, he goes, you weren't an amateur athlete, but you want to jump to rate to being a pro? Like, it doesn't work like that. But the good news is we can do it concurrently. So if we do pro wrestling um, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, mm -hmm. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 
you can come and do jujitsu and kickboxing and, and get that shit up to speed so that you have those organic, natural reactions. Well, and those little things help you suspend your disbelief. Like, well, you look at the um, Ronda Rousey, how she's come over. And I, I don't think since Kurt Angle, maybe as someone taken to wrestling so easily, yeah. so quickly, so fast. And kudos to her trainers because I've it's heard she. Fit for me. I've heard she. You know, her matches have to be rehearsed. I, I, I've so I've been told. Yeah. But whatever works. Her matches. I haven't seen her have a bad match yet. But when she does those flips, yeah. like that, are, those are definitely martial arts. Yeah, it's and, judo, like you know, a judo. or something. And it, it looks so real, and it looks so good. It's real, you know. And, uh, and, and <laughs> she's it, throwing it, you. And it, yeah, and it's awesome, you know, when, when especially when she grabs Hunter and throws Hunter through a table. Yeah, like a hip toss, so goes she. It's fantastic. I, I love it because judo is my first love. Like I love judo, and to see judo getting some attention on wrestling, like I'm, I'm on like a mission to promote judo. To if you got kids, put them in judo. Yeah, and you will thank me later one day. It's the I think it's the best self defense. Jujitsu is great, but you're on the ground. Mm -hmm. Boxing's great, but you crack someone, break their nose, you're in trouble as a kid. But you grab a bully in a headlock and give him a flip and kind of pin him. I think that's the best. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, you know, uh, when they did uh, self defense on Happy Days, they taught judo, and there was a <laughs> Happy Days, and it was a very good episode because uh, Ralph oh, Fonzie got kicked through the glass. Remember? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. But 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 they all thought they all thought they'd be good at judo. Turned out Joni was the one that was good at judo, and she kept flipping Richie every time she got in. The, the guys were teasing. Joni. And it was that was a whole story episode. My, my best student right now is a ten year old girl who is a goddamn prodigy, and uh, we call her Big D. She fights women. Yeah. Like some of the girls that are professional wrestling students, they they take judo. My daughter does judo. But we have about four professional wrestlers, females in my school yeah. that do judo and she fights them like, like they go at it. They're not taking it easy because she's 10. Yeah. She's just a cold face killer. And, but she's a great kid, like yeah. funny and pretty and classy. We're a really good kid. She's just my, my Olympian, you know? Now, uh, before we wrap up, uh, do you have, yeah, we're already, we already have like 45 minutes. Uh, we're almost done we'll here. keep going. They'll keep listening. <laughs> well, do you, what, do you have a favorite Vince story or have you ever, uh, oh, do you have of. a story where Vince just was not happy with you? Or, oh God. What, or do, what, like, yeah. Give me a couple of Vince yeah, stories. Yeah. So first of all, I love Vince. I, I, he's literally like my idol role model. I just he's the hardest working man he's insane but like brilliantly insane yeah and i really wish that i had a one-on-one -on -one dinner with vince just to let him know you know i'm not going to be because the only time you talk to vince is if you're pissed off or you want something yeah right? i think one time i knocked on the door and i go hey boss i haven't talked to you in a while because everything's awesome i, I love it I, i'm just and he's like oh thank you you know but he, he's, his whole thing is, hey, don't be afraid of knocking the door. Um, come talk to me anytime. Anything yeah. I ever asked him, I ever waited around after Raw and said, hey, I have this idea. I've gotten everything I've ever asked. And that's Miz's career. Miz's career is because he knocks on the door. He's not a, he has zero fear of anything. In any yeah, because there are guys that wrestle, currently wrestle, that don't want to talk to the boss. I love... I'm, I love it. Okay, but the thing is, he's busy. Like yeah. he's in he's, he's in a meeting, going right to another meeting, right to another meeting. He's off for 15 minutes. He's on his phone, really into his phone, off to the side. What, when do you approach that guy? You know, like, I mean, I don't want to bother him, right? Yeah. But one time, it was the Nexus thing. It was me, Mark Henry, and R-Truth, and we were chasing Nexus out, 
out the building. That's when everyone kind of ganged up and chased Nexus. And so our truth is smokes. Well, he did smoke back then. And Mark Henry's 420 pounds. So they stopped running just before the camera. So Nexus ran, and I ran past the camera. So it looked like little old me just scared <laughs> away Nexus. four guys of Nexus. So that was the only time Vince looked at me and was like, you chased off Nexus by yourself? And I'm like, I swear, they're right behind me. <laughs> you know? But, you know, he never got mad at me. And he's... If he did, I would have deserved it. He's a reasonable guy. Yeah. He's just, you know, and, and I, honest to God, when I opened Battle Arts, I became the Vince of my world. And, you know, you don't have time for uh, uh, bad people and incompetence. You can't. You're running a, a, not that my gym's an empire, but there's a lot of different things to do. Your quality control. Um, and, and believe it or not, human nature is interesting. If I don't say, hey, specifically wipe down this cupboard, yeah. but I say to you, clean the gym. And if I, you're not going to do it. You have to really spell it out for everybody. And, and you have to, you do have to micromanage every single aspect in detail uh, of wrestling. But yeah, so I'm constantly refining my coaching techniques to try and convey the message in the most efficient manner possible. And uh, my students are getting it, you know, and, and this is the other challenge. You have guys, I'm like, you got it, bro. But you have zero fucking personality. And that's a big problem. So we have to find, that's, that's my challenge. As a coach, I got to find ways to extract personality from these guys. Um, or I have guys that are awesome. My buddy D-Man Parker, he's in the States right now. I, I go, bro, you're wicked, but you're 157 pounds. I think just 185. Yeah. Like I'm asking you to be 200. And my thing was, Don Koloff goes, ah, try and get to 230. So that was my goal. Busting my ass, lifting weights every day, trying to get to 230. And I think when I debuted, I was like 220 something, maybe 222. I remember when you debuted. You yeah, I was like 225. And you were ripped. Yeah, I was in hands. good shape. I was boxing and all that stuff. Um, but now that quota has is, is, is changed because I, mean, I thought I was too small. I'm five foot 10. And then I was asking one time, like, how tall is Owen Hart? He's like, your height. I'm like, my height? Are you shitting me? I did what so i can do this so size is not really an obstacle because when i was in university i went to concordia in montreal and uh, a guy on my wrestling team his dad was don koloff yeah and he had a wrestling school in markham and i'm or it was in woodbridge at the time and i'm just like you gotta be shitting me my destiny just found me I, i'm gonna do this i'm gonna wrestle everything i've ever done in my life has just prepared me for this moment speaking of judo um emceeing at school events and yeah you know uh and they're like, I'll play here and there or performing, you know, that kind of stuff, pep rallies and all that stuff. So really everything just kind of boiled down and then class clown. Yeah. <laughs> and it, be, it prepared me too. for, yeah. yeah. God, man, the comedy, I don't know if kids are as funny as we were these days because they didn't have the 80s TV shows, which kind of fueled our comedic well, yeah. creativity, I think. I just ripped off Silent Live every chance I could. Like, <laughs> when I was, this, I came from a great generation of Silent Live. Well, wait, where uh, were you? Where were you born? Well, I was seventy three, so my Saturday night oh, okay, yeah, yeah. was I mean, like they say. Actually, Lauren Michaels said the the cast you identify the most with was usually the cast that you had when you were in high school, and most people say that's the best cast. So my cast was like 
Chris Farley, yeah. and Sandler, and Chris Rock, and Wicked Mark Donald, generation. and then Dana Carvey, Mike Myers, God damn, you Phil Hartman, like it was just it's like my childhood. So, yeah, I'm so born in '74, so I'm with I, you. I did all those impersonations at my school assemblies. I Are you remember, good at impersonations? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would do. Oh, like, that's hard. You, you know, know who's wicked? Who? Harry Smith. Is he? You got to see his impersonations. He does, okay, his Mike Rotundo impersonation. Oh my and God. you're thinking... Who has a Mike Rotundo impersonation? Yeah. Is it IRS or is it Mike Rotundo? <laughs> Mike Rotundo. Oh, that's even more obscure. Yeah, and you're thinking, what mannerisms does he have that you can even impersonate? And, and then he play, does it, yeah. and you're like, oh my God. So he did a Ricky Steamboat impression to Ricky Steamboat, and Ricky Steamboat got hot. <laughs> he oh wasn't impressed because everyone was laughing because it, so, it was so good. And he's like, you know, kind of like, you can see he's like, I'm not like that. <laughs> I, I had his Steamboat on the podcast. He's awesome. I love best. Ricky Steamboat. We did it in a car ride coming from Kingston to Toronto. And I just asked him, like, ridiculous questions like i was like remember when you were in the orient garden uh, and you had to fight the ninjas do you remember <laughs> that and he was like that was actually in philadelphia i'm like no <laughs> and then he was i'm like so they weren't real ninjas he goes they were just guys from the judo school that you know they dressed up as See? ninjas judo you can be and a then, ninja and then i said uh i said i said well i kind of thought they weren't real ninjas because um the last guy had shoes on, <laughs> you know? And then I said, also, uh, he goes, they looked white underneath the mask. He goes, oh, yeah, they were like eight white guys and three three redheaded guys. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, redheaded? Is you don't there, get any more white than that. We have to Google if there's any ginger Japanese guys, any well, anomalies. Well, yeah, and I said, I said, I said, so there's just a bunch of white guys from Philadelphia? He goes, yeah. And I was like, ah. Oh. Philadelphia cream cheese, you know, and then he goes cream cheese. Oh, that's the worst. Like he was upset at the pun. And then one time I said, "Do you ever get nervous?" He goes, "Sometimes I got butterflies." I was like, "You heard it here, folks. Ricky the butterflies steamboat." And then later on I said, "I got this beautiful bong. It's it's uh, it's it's ceramic and it's beautiful and it's big and it's got this big dragon breathing fire on it." And I named it Ricky the Dragon Steambong. He goes. In this interview, you've managed to reduce me to butterflies and now just a drug-smoking bong. <laughs> I was like, pretty cool, isn't it? You know, like his physique is has to. It's not underrated because everyone knows it was amazing. But when you look back, back, he was there with like Rick Rude, physique-wise, oh. tiny waist, jacked, super yeah. nice guy. Man, he's the he's the baby face. His get it agains with the arm drags, and also he did something. So let's say you you have a hold on a good guy, and the good guy's fighting up and gives you an elbow, and gives you an elbow, and gives you an elbow, and the bad guy hits you once. Guys go right back down, they die again. Yeah. But since he took all that energy to get up gradually, when the bad guy hits him, he gets chopped back down gradually, and it's 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 the way to do it. And I use him for a lot of references. I'm like, go watch Ricky Steamboat. Oh, his matches, and this is also I found out on my podcast. I. Cause like, I don't ask the questions that people usually ask. Maybe today I did, but I had this question. I was talked about, you know, Ric Flair's, I said, you and Ric Flair wrestled at, uh, at uh, Starcade that year. And, um, I said, you won the, t you won the title. And then I said, and then all of a sudden Terry Funk comes out of nowhere and, and pile drives Ric Flair through a table. I was like, then where goes your title chase is gone. Cause you just, now Flair's going into a feud with, uh, with Funk. Yeah. I was like, what happened? He goes, they didn't tell me. It just happened. And I was thinking the same thing you are. Obviously, Rick and I are going to go back in the road, and now I'll chase him. 
But no, I was just pushed to the side, and Terry Funk, and now Ric Flair, now they're going again. I'm like, Damn. I couldn't imagine that they just did not tell him that that was going to happen at the end of the match. Like, why, and um, that was the most shocking thing that I got off of in my podcast. Is I didn't, I, I didn't think he was going to get a, a question like that. But you know, before Cave Fabe was broken, uh, th- they couldn't be in the same restaurant in uh, Charlotte. I remember him telling me that you know someone goes, "Oh, Sir Ric Flair's here." And uh, one of them had to leave and usually cut a fucking promo on the way out. They're being held back. Like, I'll see you on the arena oh, yeah. next weekend. And There's a famous story about the Briscoes and the Funks. And one of them were having a barbecue. And so this guy, one of the one of the members of the family, I don't know which family or which barbecue, like, but some family member brought a date. She wasn't smartened up. And then the Funks showed up at the Briscoes barbecue or maybe it was vice versa. <laughs> and she's like, oh my God, what are the Funks doing here? And then they all, boom, they started beating each other up and they have to kick the Funks out. We'll call the police. You ever come back at our, Jeez. you know, the whole, they did a whole schmoz. Just to, one girl did not know. And they, that's, that's a lot how, of work for one person. I would have just said, it's not real. Yeah. You know, like I would not have went through that, but what they used to do to protect the business is insane. I would have made fun of her. She thinks it's real. He's <laughs> like, oh, touch me. Oh, I need to fall down. Oh. Um, I do for for birthday parties. We do, you can, you get an hour uh, professional wrestling crash course at the gym. It's actually really popular. Um, and then the kids can go have matches in the ring or if we do it on a saturday we try and do it before our our um practice yeah so our uh, new rookie students can come in and practice having matches in front of a live audience in front of the kid's birthday um so one of the things i was um, we talk about i teach them about selling Mm. So I'll do like a punch to the stomach and they got to sell it. And I said, the, 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 the challenge is who can sell it the most realistic. And it's just great to see kids get drama and they're all excited. Yeah. But I posted it online and some, some guy from India, he's like, what the hell kind of school is this? <laughs> I'm punching all these. Like, and when can I join? <laughs> yeah. That's the beauty of pro wrestling. So, so at my school, we have young people that want to do this for a living and they want to take it to the highest level and they're willing to give their blood to, to make it. But then we have guys, you know, married kids yeah, works for the city. Cause you know what? Fuck. I like to get out of the house a couple times a week bucket list thing. If I could d- take part in just the student shows once a month and bring my friends, it's uh, was, and those guys end up having a great time because they don't have the pressure of I gotta get bigger to get signed. I gotta get better. It goes, no, I'm here. I'm I'm already at where I, I want to be and I'm yeah. gonna be. And there's no pressure. So for and then the bucket list guys, they end up they're because they're massive fans mm. and they end up having like really good fun matches because they're just. They've been selling since they were kids in the basement with the pillow, you know. Oh yeah. And they have awesome matches. So if you're out there and you wanna, you know. Do a bucket list and do because some guys join ball hockey leagues, right? Twice a week or whatever. Go there's join the intramural every, hockey. Or, every year there's a boxing for charity card where it's just people that want to learn how to box. They go and do it, and then they have the match, and then that's it. You know, they raise all the money for charity. We even did um, 
a, a class called how to, it was called grappling with education. Mm-hmm. There's a company, uh, a company, a nonprofit called Education Involved, <clears throat> and we put on a class called how to put on a pro wrestling show in 13 weeks, and it was all uh, you know high school kids throughout Mississauga and uh, like the Jane Finch area. Yeah, and the class was on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Tuesdays was like lecture. Thursdays was on the mat, and then the last three weeks was um, was all on the mat, and then. Um, they, we had a show. It culminated in, in a show, and the show was like wicked because yeah. it's all friends and family. And this is the, it's like a drama play. Yeah. You know, we didn't teach them how to call a match in the ring. No. But we talked about character development and promos and storylines. And, you know, just like a, a Popeye cartoon is the yeah. greatest um, th- thing to reference if you've seen a Popeye cartoon where, you know, he kind of shines in the beginning. There's a heat spot. He's in big trouble. And the spinach represents his comeback. Yeah. And the whole time he's just trying to get to that spinach with his pipe or whatever. His yeah. pipe. He's just trying to get the spinach. And then when he gets the spinach, that's it, man. Big John Cena comeback. It's so true. It's so true. Um, where can we find you online? What do you have got going on these days? Twitter, yeah. Twitter, I, I, I'm at uh, Milan Miracle. And then uh, I usually post about battle arts and a little bit of my personal life, too. You know, and there's so many things. Like, because I'm started last year, I did commentary for judo, the IJF, the International Judo mm-hmm. Federation. And I'll hopefully be doing more of that in 2019. So I'll post a trip of, at, at judo. And then, um, you know, I'll make, I, I take very few bookings. Yeah. Um, but like I got one in February where I like to go to Europe, right? So I'm going to go to, cause the fan, I like the fans there. I'm going to England and this summer I went to like Timmins in Newfoundland. Yeah. There's two places, oh, not Newfoundland, sorry, uh, Halifax. Places I, Want to go? Because I, I I I like Timmins. <laughs> I like Halifax. Why? Why? why uh, what's uh, What's great about Timmins? Timmins. I won. I won a tournament as a kid. I think it was the Ontario Winter Games in judo. Okay. So that was a good memory. It was. I have a shirt. It was like Timmins '88 or something like that. And uh, yeah, it was a really comfortable shirt. It was like beige with a brown cuff and brown collar, with a guy doing katagaruma, like the John Cena move. It's called katagaruma. But uh, anyway, so I mean. Um, I get to go. So I'll post that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'll post uh, something about my son or my wife, and, and then little little battle arts and stuff like that. But then I do, I do, um, yeah. Behind the lights mm-hmm. is a show I do. On, it's on Twitch. It's through Impact. So it's Twitch forward slash Impact Wrestling. Behind the lights, and we do it every Wednesday. We usually have a, 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 it's a two hour show. We'll highlight the week that was, what's coming up. And we have a guest in the second segment and stuff. Um, Sportsnet every Tuesday aftermath. I've, I love doing that. That's really fun. Yeah. That's a great show. Originally when I built battle arts, I wanted it to be a Canadian developmental territory. That was my goal. And mm-hmm. I'm still working towards that just to kind of, you know, establish ourselves enough that we're kind of really catching the eye of everybody in the performance center and WWE and everything. And that's uh, then we do our student shows once a month. And if you want to see, if you like seeing indie rock bands, and if you like seeing, in you know, independent comedy, come check out an independent professional wrestling show. Especially when it's you know students of various skill levels. And some of our guys wrestle on Impact, and they wrestle on Destiny, and they've been on Raw as extras and stuff like yeah. that. So it's. It's like the difference between watching college basketball and the NBA. These are hungry guys. They're just they're trying to use this match a, a, as footage to show the WWE. Look, look where I'm at and stuff. 
Uh, oh yeah, December fifteenth. Thank you. Uh, we're, we're doing a thing. We have a bunch of pay per view chairs for old WWE pay per view chairs that they were really kind enough to give us. But we're gonna do a thing where we can, you know, maybe it's probably twenty people or so. If you go to Costco, specifically Costco, and buy their padded folding chair, they only have one, and you bring that on December fifteenth at six o'clock, you can swap it out for one of our pay-per-view chairs it's like 17.99 for the chair and um because when we do impact shows we can't have wwe chairs in the audience so we just want to swap a few out so make sure we can accommodate the fans without wwe chairs but of course we need our wwe chairs for our birthday parties so we can't give them all away yeah it's so funny i was at the smackdown um in la after the swire series and they were selling raw and smackdown chairs for $50, $50 a chair. So I thought that was a pretty good deal. I didn't get one because I don't want to fly back with it. But uh, if it was war games, uh, that's a different story. I wonder how much they cost, eh? Seven, eight bucks, you think? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, so that's, uh, well, that's pretty much today's uh, Talking Wrestling, folks. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Santino, Anthony, thank you for coming in today. And uh, thank pleasure, you, man. fans, for letting us put a headlock on your ears. And uh, we're out of here. Thanks a lot. We'll see you next week. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. 